Hello and welcome to the Heat Check Podcast, the Miami Herald's Miami Heat Podcast. I'm David Wilson and I'm joined on the other line, as always, by Anthony Chang. How's it going, Anthony? Uh, good. I think, but when did we talk last week? I think it might be better than last week. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the things we said last week was like, because we talked right after... Minnesota, uh, right? Yeah, Minnesota. And we're like, are we going to still have this negative tone coming into uh, yeah. next week? And we just thought the way the schedule set up it was, and the way the Heat was playing uh, had a chance to still be dicey. Um, three wins later, including a win against the Bucks last night. And um, I think most Heat fans are starting to think about plans for L.A. in uh, June again. That was fast, huh? Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, like six days ago, uh, you know, people were saying the Heat were going to get swept in the first round, and now the Heat want Milwaukee in the playoffs. Yeah, but now, now that, that was all part of the grand plan to lose yeah. these games because they were just trying to get the eighth seed. Exactly. That's what they're they're trying they're they're trying to play sort of matchup toward against the Bucks. It, that makes total sense. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, let's start there. Um, the Bucks this year they have one of the best point differentials in NBA history. Uh, I think they were on a seventy-one win pace coming into last night. It obviously dropped a little bit. Um, and the Heat just kind of I don't want to say like dominated them, but they were in control the whole way. Um, Probably their two most impressive wins, or arguably their two most impressive wins all year, are against the Bucks. Um, it was the worst loss the Bucks have had all year in terms of final margin of defeat. They only second had nine worst. defeats all second year. Worst. Second worst was the second worst. Yeah. They only have nine losses all year, and two of them are to the Heat. Um, the Heat kind of has their number, and it like it feels like, you know, obviously there was some chance that goes into it. The Heat shot crazy well from three last night. Um, but it does feel like this team kind of matches up pretty well with the Bucks, which you know might not ultimately not matter if you can't beat Philly or you can't beat Boston. But um, I don't know, it might matter, especially if you're the fourth, you know, in that four or five game. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, you know, I, it's like a roll in the takeaways. Like I wouldn't say the Heat is the favorite in a series with Milwaukee by any means. Like I'm sure the Heat would still be big underdogs in that yeah. series. But I think like. Relative to uh, relative to other teams in the East, I think the Heat match up pretty well against the Bucks. Um, and you've seen that these two games. I mean, uh, to beat Milwaukee, you have to make threes. Their defense is incredible in the paint and around the rim. Like you're just not scoring in the rim, uh, around the rim much against them. So you've got to have to make outside shots. And the Heat are a good three point shooting team. They're the second best three point shooting team in the NBA. Um, they showed that last night when they go for 18 of 37 from three. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually made more three more threes than paint shots last night. You know, they, they shot 15 of 41 inside the paint, so they, they were really bad around the basket. Yeah, uh, but they just made so many threes that it that it kind of offset that those struggles in the paint against the Bucks' length, and that's what you have to do to beat them. And then the other end, you have to be able to defend Giannis, and the Heat have a guy in Bam who, I mean, if he's not the best at defending Giannis, he's Definitely like a top five, top ten guy that you want to put on on Giannis just because of his versatility, his athleticism, his ability to move his feet at his size. Um, there were a few times in isolation where Bam was on Giannis and he completely shut him down. Like it was impressive. Um, and then defensively as a team, he played really well. Um, and I, the other end, like kind of the formula is you have to stop the Bucks from making threes because what they do is they have so many shooters around Giannis that. 
once Giannis gets four or five guys on him, and when he gets in the paint, he just passed it out and they make a three. And the Bucks shot seven of 34 on threes last night. So you kind of saw the formula to beat Milwaukee. The question is, can you do that four out of seven games? And right. that's, that's a challenge. So yeah. um, I think they match up relatively well, but, uh, you know, it's tough to do that four games out of seven. Yeah, I remember at the, at the beginning of the season, there was all the talk about how Philly was basically trying to build this team that was geared around stopping Giannis. Obviously, they had Embiid, um, who's, you know, first-team all-defense guy. Uh, ben Simmons is, you know, potentially going to be an all-defensive guy. This year, they went out and got Al Horford, a guy who's, in his prime, uh, is kind of similar to like what Bam is now in terms of his uh, flexibility, his mobility as a guy who can protect the rim or kind of roam out and cover a guy on the perimeter. And I think you know all that stuff is true, but the Heat was overlooking that conversation just because we didn't know this is what Bam was going to be right away. We didn't know this is what he was going to be right now. Um, and you know, suddenly between him, between you know, they they obviously throw Jimmy out there. Uh, from time to time, like, they're pretty, even with all the defensive issues that this team has, they're pretty well equipped to guard a guy like Giannis. I, I honestly, I feel like the bigger issue got, type of guy that they're going to run into is maybe if they play, like, Kemba. Like, I, I don't know if they have that guy with that kind of quickness to guard a, a really good scoring uh, point guard or shooting. I don't know if they have that kind of quickness to guard a guy who's like that kind of quick scoring point guard or shooting guard, but they're really well equipped to guard these big physical uh, front court players. And um, obviously Giannis is you know as great as this Bucks team is because of all the shooting they have around there. You know Chris Middleton's a legitimate All Star type guy um, as the number two. This team, for a team as good as they are, they lean more heavily on one guy than, I don't know, pretty much any team of this quality I can remember. And the Heat just happened to have, you know, pro- what looks like the best guy in the East to guard him. One. And, and the Heat seemed to have a really good plan um, against Giannis. I mean, there were a few games last year where Giannis went off against the Heat, but there were also a few games where the Heat were able to shut him down. And it's not just because of Bam. It's, you know, they, they throw four, sometimes five guys on Giannis every time he's in the paint. Yeah. You know, they kind of forced him to become a playmaker. Um, and last night, when, when, when they're playing that kind of defense against him and he only has three assists, you're going to win the game. He, he basically has to have like a 10-assist night to beat that kind of defense just because he's not going to get a lot of – he's not going to get a lot of opportunities to score himself. He's going to have to create for others. And last night, you know, they just didn't make the shots. So, again, it's – it's like supposed that after the game, it's a, it's you know it's cliche, but it's a make or miss league, and the Heat made a lot of threes last night. The Bucks, I think it was their second worst shooting per, per, performance from three um, all season. Um, so I mean that's they won. You know it's a one game thing. I know they beat them twice now, but it's just one of those games where the Heat made their shots and the Bucks didn't. Yeah, and the Bucks, like I said, are, I, they feel more dependent on yeah. role players than any. And, you know, George Hill's shooting, like, 50% from three this year. Like, Chris Middleton has, I think, been, like, one of the most efficient scorers in the league all season. So those guys have, you know, now have a track record of being, you know, top-tier role players. Like I said, Middleton is an all-star. But if you shut down Giannis, it shuts down everything for them. Um, But I guess, you know, the whole defense, like you mentioned, last night, after, you know, that was really the big – Talking point really for the first week and a half coming out of the All Star break was how this defense had vanished, 
and then against the best team in the league, they kind of show up again. So, is there – what do you make of that? Is, is there a, a sense that the team still has the ability to rise um, up to the occasion? And, I don't know, like, is there just some of that natural, like, underestimating these bad teams? And once we get to playoff t- time, this defense is going to look better than it does right now? Um, I don't know. I Yeah, I don't know I, either. I just, I just feel Milwaukee missed a lot of threes last night. I'm not saying that he didn't play good defense. I think they did, especially on Giannis. I mean, anytime you hold a, a team below 100 yeah. these days, like, you had to do something, right? Yeah, I mean, the season low and a really bad shooting, you know, 40%, for, 40% and it's a, an efficient offense. They're the third best offense in the NBA. Um, so it was – it was. I lost you for a second. Sorry. Three. Um, you lo- you go lose? back to when I say anytime you hold a team under 100. Yeah. Okay. Anytime you hold a team under 100, you're, you're doing something right on defense. Yeah, and, and a season low uh, in points, a really bad shooting percentage, 40.7%. You know, they have the third best offensive rating in the NBA, so it's a good offense. Um, but, again, they missed a lot of threes. And some of them were open, and yeah. threes usually hit. Um, it just felt like Milwaukee just didn't have it, you know. Um, but, you know, the Heat did play, you know, you have to give them credit. It was their best defensive performance in a while. I think since that Toronto win at home, like at the beginning of January when they held Toronto yeah, 80-something points. Um, yeah. It was, I mean, by defensive rating measures, there was their third best defensive performance of the season behind a Memphis win and behind the Raptors win. Um, so, you know, it, it was encouraging, but, again, you want to see it over – a stretch, not just one game, because even that Brooklyn win and the Dallas win, you know, to start this three-game winning streak, those weren't good defensive performances at all. He won behind good offense. Um, mm-hmm. So this is a one-game thing. You want to see it continue, and if it continues, then maybe we could talk about okay, is this defense turning around here? Yeah, I do want to. Every time I get the opportunity, though, I'm going to keep saying I think this team should just be leaning into its offense, and I think. I know the defense was great last night, but you really saw it, I think, last night with just the amount of shooters they can throw out. And obviously, Jay Crowder is not going to go, what was he, five for six or something from three, like something crazy. Um, he was five for six in the first half. Five for six in the first half, and then I don't know what he finished at. But, but um, yeah, I mean, this is still without Tyler Hero. This is still without Myers Leonard, who are two um, of your three, four, five best shooters on this roster. Like, this team is going, you know, they're not going to shoot 50% every night, but they're a team that should be shooting in the 40s or at least, like, high 30s on high volume. Like, yeah, you know, I just still feel like that's the way that this team, you know, you put three good shooters around um, Jimmy and Bam, like, you're going to have a baseline, like, fine defense probably. Um, and then, you know, like what they've been basically a middle-of-the-pack defense. Um, but – that elite offense, and I think you're even starting to see it a little bit with the late game lineups that they have um, gone with over these last three games, where after really pretty much trying to get, like, Jay Crowder and Iguodala to be, like, your finishing wings or your finishing 3-4, they have gone a little bit more offensive-minded late in games. And, And, you know, again, small sample size, just like those three blown leads were a small sample size, but... They've at least finished these games off, or, or two of them, because that Bucks game wasn't close in the end. Yeah, I mean, I, yes, I think they need to lean into their offense, like you've been saying. And I think I've kind of um, 
been convinced of that, like, over the past few weeks with kind of just how their offense has been playing, how their defense has been playing. But I do think to win in the playoffs, their defense has to improve. You know, like, to to beat Philly, let's say, in the first round or Indiana or, I don't know, and I guess Boston, if Boston falls, you know, falls to fifth place somehow, yeah. they, they're gonna, the Heat are going to have to play better defense. They can't be a mediocre defense. That doesn't win in the playoffs. And I think that's why... Spo knows that, you know, that like if you look at the history of teams that have success in the playoffs, they usually have a top ten defense. So I think, yeah, are they ever going to have a top five defense this year? Are they going to be one of the best defenses in the NBA? No. But if you could just improve it a little bit to like get to like eleven or ten, that's going to mean a lot. And I think that's kind of the goal. And you hope that you know, I think Jay and Andre honestly have been playing better. Recently, I mean, Jay's been playing good pretty much the entire time, but yeah. just defensively, Andre, the numbers defensively have kind of uh, they've kind of settled a little bit. Where Andre's when Andre's on the floor, they're a better defensive team. Um, I think he has a positive plus minus, like in four or five straight games. So I, I just think those guys are kind of starting to settle into their roles, um, and I think the defense will benefit from that because they are two good defenders, smart defenders, um, and you know I think that should only help moving forward. Yeah, I think everyone, and we were probably even a little guilty of this, overreacted to Andre being pretty rough in those first few games, considering he hadn't played um, in, what, like eight months, basically seven months since the end of last season, and obviously was hurt a lot through the playoffs last year, so like, you know, he hasn't been playing these sort of minutes in a long time. Like, even with the Warriors last year, he was, you know, not a guy who they were leaning on particularly in the regular season. Um, and it was something I think we both kind of said is he like looked like he knew what he was doing on offense, which was kind of surprising. Um, so I think it just was going to be a matter of him getting his legs back underneath him a little bit because, um, you know, he, like you said, he's, he's smart. He clearly helps his team. And, and consider it like he's not a worse defender than, yeah, I don't know what guys maybe had better defensive metrics than him in that small sample size, but like he's not a worse defender than Duncan Robinson or right. Goron. Like he was gonna he was gonna level out to a certain yeah. extent. And um you know, he's never gonna be like finals MVP Andre Iguodala again, but um that's not what the Heat's asking him to be. Yeah, they don't need him to play a specific role. Um and, and it's interesting, his minutes have come down. Um yeah. when he first got to the Heat he was playing like over twenty minutes a game pretty much pretty much every game. Um, last three games, 16 minutes, 12 minutes, 13 minutes. It seems like uh, Spoh's maybe taking a little step back with him and maybe try to say, maybe not, don't play as many minutes, but just just play your best minutes here, and we'll play, you know, around 10 to 15 minutes a game here, at least for now until he gets, you know, yeah. back to, you know, 100% game shape. Um, that kind of feels it's, like it's, it's wheelhouse, too. Like, considering we, t- we mentioned it last week, but, like, you don't want to be forcing Andre Iguodala on the court because yeah. of his defensive potential when you have other good players. Like, there's no reason to be forcing him minutes when, you know, playing him is going to be eating into Duncan Robinson's minutes or eating into Derek Jones' minutes. Like, guys who have now earned the the playing time. Like, they've earned, you know, Duncan, you wrote about it on, uh, I think, Sunday or Saturday, about how he has the best plus-minus on the team. I don't know yeah. if that's still the case, but, you know, that day it was. Like, Iguodala has a role. He's not. He's not your. He's not a clear cut starter. Clear cut. He needs to finish every game. He's a guy who is going to be matchup specific. You know that's what Spo loves to do, right? He loves to play matchups. And there are going to be some games where you need Iguodala to play 
25 minutes because he matches up with someone and, and maybe he's hot, like you just see he's locked in um, and defending someone particularly well, then there are going to be some games where he just needs to play 12 and Duncan needs to play 30-plus because he needs his shooting. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. And speaking of Duncan, I just yeah, I think to me, I think he needs to play 30-plus minutes every night. Like, he's yeah. just that important. His When he's out there, the offense is just so much better. And defensively, it's weird because they actually have a better defense, at least as leading into yesterday's game. I don't know if it's still the case, but they actually had a better defensive running when he was on the court compared to when he was off the court. So the, the kind of the the discussion of, oh, they're, they're a worse defensive team with Duncan out there, it's statistically not true. Um, so I think that's interesting. I mean, he's not a... He's not a great one-on-one defender by any means. Like he, teams will pick on him in isolation, but as a team defender, he's not bad. He's he's yeah. smart. He knows where he needs to be. He has limitations physically, um, but he's smart and he he he's usually in the right spot. So I, I just think Duncan. He really at this point he's become a guy that is so valuable to this team that he needs to play. And you know, last night he played what thirty-four minutes. Like he needs to play those minutes because. He opens up so much for this offense, and they need to be a good offensive team, like you've been saying, because defensively, yeah, you'd like to see them improve, but they're just not a juggernaut, you know. Yeah, at least right now, that's their, how they're gonna have to win games. Yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, let's break here real quick. Um, do you want to finish by just like um, uh, we can either talk more Bam or um. um else is kind of going on? We could discuss either Bam, I think, or uh, I guess Bam. I guess Bam is more interesting. We can talk about the three-game winning streak and like if it's if it means that we can wrap up with uh, that. We'll yeah. do that. Like we kind of look ahead to the next okay. uh, little cool. stretch. All right, uh, let's wrap things up, though, by – we touched on Bam a little bit at the top, but he was, I'd say, clearly kind of the story of last night. I mean, Heat fans are obviously fired up just about beating the Bucks, but um, uh, to you, was it one of the most impressive games you've seen from Bam? Yeah, um, you know, it wasn't as – It seems like it was a game – you know, I'm looking I, – I have ESPN just up on my computer and, like, the headline is Adebayo led Heat hold Bucks, hold the honest Bucks in check. Like, like that's uh, that's interesting, right? Like that that yeah. is him. He's he's getting that attention that you know we've known about, but uh, it seems like it was a I don't know a turning point game for him, but um, definitely a sort of game where he is he's proved you know the Heat are a team that can be Bam led. And, like, the national perception is that the team can win with Bam kind of as the top guy. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because he finished 5 of 16. Right, exactly. Team, you know? <laughs> like, he was, like, he had a good game, you know, don't get me wrong, but he really struggled with the length of the Bucks. Like, he could not finish inside. Like, a lot of his, actually, like, two or three of his baskets came in the final couple of minutes when Giannis and Brook Lopez were out just because it was so much easier to score near the basket. Um, I think what did he finish with the five of five or fifteen inside the paint last night? Um, so he struggled, def- you know, offensively, but he did about it pretty much everything else. He said after the game that he was really frustrated 
during the game that, you know, the shots weren't going in. His teammates knew it, but he just tried to do other things, and he did a lot. I mean, 13 rebounds, 5 assists, 3 blocks, defended Giannis, you know, kind of led the Heat's defensive effort. Um, so that's just, like, that's Bam. Like, that's the beauty of Bam, the prototypical game from Bam, where maybe the offense isn't going, but he just does so much other stuff that it really doesn't matter. Like, he's going to make a big, a positive impact one way or the other, um, and that's what he did last night against the Bucks. Yeah, it's – I mean, it was, like, kind of the consummate Bam performance aside from, like, the poor shooting percentage because he's always a guy who's pretty much, like, over 50%, but um, it's exactly what they need from him. And, like we touched on, he is weirdly emerged as the – league's best Giannis stopper, and maybe Giannis is like, oh, i got to get get uh, with this guy now. I was going to say, that, that means Giannis is going to say, I need to not team up with him, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I will say this, though. Like, the way the Bucks defense works, like we've been talking about, they give up a lot of threes and, and even mid-range shots, but obviously a team wants to take more threes than mid-range shots. Yeah. But there were a few times where, you know, Bam had the ball at the elbow or at the top of the key literally, like, wide open. Like, Brooke Lopez is, like, he's sinking, he sinks into the paint, and, you know, there's a guy, like, nobody within, like, four or five feet of Bam. I think he needs to take the shot. There are a few times where Bam kind of used that space to drive in, and he would just get a turnover or get blocked by Brooke Lopez or Giannis just because they're so good at rim protecting. But I, I just think Bam, he has a good enough shot where if teams are going to give him that, whatever, 12-footer, I just think he needs to take it. You know, I, I think he only took one last night. He missed it, and he kind of went away from it. Um, so I, I, that's one thing I still really would like to see from Bam, him kind of consistently try to take that shot um, because he can make it. You know, I think he, you agree, right, David? Like, he has the mechanics to make. I know he hasn't made a high percentage of the season, but he also hasn't taken many. Um, yeah, he's I, a I think free throw shooter. Like, he um, made those threes in the skills challenge. Like, he's he's got <clears> – <throat> A shot. Like, he is – it's not like he is a stiff – it's not like Andre Drummond trying to shoot a yeah. deep right. two. Like, he's – I mean, he's, he's clearly not going to be a huge part of his game this year, but, like, it's going to be a part of his game next year. I think we both have agreed on that all year long. We Obviously, we talked a lot about his shooting early in the year when that kind of felt like a talking point where it was like, that's the one thing left he needs to unlock. And it still sort of is. Um, he's obviously proven he's just fine without it for now. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's going to be, you know, in the playoffs, those are the shots you get in the playoffs. It's, you know, the the defenses get better. They get more focused on protecting the rim and denying the three. Um, and you got to hit those mid-range jumpers. It's part of why Jimmy has historically been such a good postseason player because he's got that good mid-range game. Um, you know, I think Kendrick Nunn is a guy who, it's like tailor made to have a great postseason run because he's got one of the better mid range games in the NBA. Um, for Bam, it is you know he's still gonna get his because you know big men still kind of get theirs in the playoffs as long as they can uh, defend it well enough to stay on the floor. But um, you know the way to win in the postseason is to hit hard shots, and for him that is you know a hard shot, but it's a shot that um, we both think he can make. Yeah, I, I was I was exactly going to make that point. Like, in the playoffs, that stuff gets exposed. So yeah. teams are going to give him those shots, and it's on him to take them. And you don't want to just start taking them in the playoffs. Like, you got to start now. So, yeah, I mean, I don't want him to take 12 of those mid-range shots a game, but if he if teams are giving it to him, take, like, three or four. You know, take take a couple. Um, 
And, I mean, that's really the only way you're going to help develop that, that part of your game. If you don't do it in a game, like, it's going to be hard to develop it. So I just think last night there were a few where he was literally wide open and he either passed it or he put the ball on the floor and just kind of ran into Brooke and Giannis and got sent away. So, um, you know, I think that's just the one thing that, like we've been saying, he has to kind of unlock and work on to kind of become that complete version of Bam that he could be. Yeah, it was interesting. Remember early in the year he had that deal with Jimmy where every time he shot a three, he would get like $500. Anytime he didn't, he would pay Jimmy 500 I don't remember exactly what the dollar amount was, but something like that. Um, I did ask him if that thing still existed because he hasn't shot a three in forever, uh, and he said it doesn't. So they don't want him shooting threes, I guess, anymore <laughs> like they were trying to push early in the year. But um, I don't know, maybe they can make some sort of Mid- bet- shot outside the paint. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Just do shots outside the paint. That, that'll work. Um, all right. You want to look ahead to uh, the next week? So it was, what, they lost three or four coming out of the All-Star break. Now three to, you know, the three losses to three of the worst teams in the NBA. And then now three wins in a row against uh, playoff teams. I guess Brooklyn's still in the playoffs right now, right? Yeah. He's terrible at the bottom. Um they keep this going? What, what do you think? Is it still going to be up and down? Or are we like, kind of dealing with the uh, like bipolar heat still a little bit? Um, you know, they, they've, aside from Monday night against the Bucks, they've won behind offense. Um, they've shot the ball really well, especially against Dallas and Milwaukee. They're shooting, what, 45% on threes over this three-game winning streak. Um, the question I always ask, is the formula sustainable? And I don't think, you know, they're a good three-point shooting team, don't get me wrong. But shooting 45% on threes, that is probably not sustainable. Um, so, I, you know, I, I think the one thing you have to try to look for over the next week, next really next month and a half of the regular season, the final month and a half, is can this defense improve to a point where you don't say, okay, it's a liability? You know, because, yes, they're, they're whatever, they're mediocre right now for the season. That's not bad. It's not good. But over the past month or two, it's been a bad defense. I think they're like yeah. they're in the 20s as far as defense over that stretch. So can this defense like turn into something that is not a liability? You know, on Monday it was definitely a big step in the right direction. You face one of the best offenses. You shut them down. Pretty much the worst offensive performance of the season. Um, but is that a case of uh, the Bucks just missing three-pointers or is the Heat defense better? Yeah. Probably a little, di- little bit of both, but you want to see it over a sustained stretch. You know, now they face Orlando, which is not a great offensive team. They should have a good defensive performance. And that's the challenge. Like, can you do this two games in a row? And then can you do it three games in a row? So that's really the thing I'll be watching here over the next, you know, month and a half. Yeah. Well, the the nice thing for the Heat is the schedule stays easy over the next few weeks. Um, You got Orlando at New Orleans. Obviously, New Orleans is uh, kind of, Pushing for a playoff spot now with Zion. Um, That'll be a tough game. That New Orleans game will be a little tough. Yeah, that'll be tough. Um, Then at Washington, home against Charlotte, home against New York, home against Chicago, and then at Milwaukee. Like we talked about it coming out of the break, that they like had a chance to really make up some ground, maybe on Boston, and and build a little bit of a cushion on Philly. Now they're two games up on Philly, three back of Boston, and and they have a chance to do some more damage um, in the next few weeks. I mean. A five and one or whatever is not out of the question, um, but they're gonna have to play better than they have in the last two weeks if they wanna 
be more than just like an inconsistent team that some nights is going to look incredible and, and some nights is going to lose the game like at Washington. Yeah, and and speaking of the standings, like the Heat are in pretty good position here to get home court. You know, another two games yeah. up, but Philly plays the Lakers tonight, which at LA without Ben and Embiid, I think. So they should Philly will probably lose that game, and the Heat play Orlando tomorrow. The Heat will be favorites against Orlando. So all of a sudden, after tomorrow, the Heat could be three up on Philly. Right. And Indiana now is five, but you know Indiana has been up and down all year, and. You know, if the Heat face Indiana in the first round, Indiana does get five. Like, I think that's a more favorable matchup for the Heat, especially if they have home court yeah, in Philly. So, they, you know, yeah, like you said, like the Heat have to take advantage of this stretch. They could really kind of take hold of this four spot and even get closer to number three. Yeah, do you, do you think there's a chance they could catch Boston? I mean, is there a chance? There's a chance they can catch Toronto. I mean, Toronto's only three and a half up now in the Heat. You yeah, know, that's true. it's. I think anywhere really from two to six is open. Like, it's kind of crazy. But at, least, at the very least, we want to get home court. And right now, you're building a little bit of a cushion between four and five. And they have a chance to build on that. So I think it's important over here, over this, like you said, this four or five game stretch, maybe against opponents that he should beat. They got to take advantage and maybe try to build like a three or four game lead by the end of it, you know, on the yeah. five, five spot. Yeah, I, I hate going, like, we do this probably too much. We're like, I right, five and one, that should be the goal for yeah. this six game stretch. But, like, really. Five and one, and like, because again, the schedule does pick up a little bit after that. At Milwaukee, at Indiana, OKC, and Denver both come here. Um, you go play Boston twice more in the last uh, ten games. You play Toronto in the finale. Like, this is the easiest little stretch you have left. Like, you got a lot of a lot of gimmies sprinkled in throughout the rest of the way, but this is like. Uh, this is where you got to do your damage. you got to be in really good position uh, going into that final stretch where, you know, maybe even you get to give Jimmy a day off at the end of the year. Like, it's, yeah. you'd love to be kind of locked in going into the last few games of the season. For sure. And, David, one, one last thing. What do you what do you make of the Heat being 9-3 against the top six teams in the East? Like, I, think it's not- a I, I don't overlook that at all. I, I don't overlook that at all. Um I think, you know, we obviously mentioned they match up pretty well with Milwaukee. I think, um, you know, Philly, there's obviously the Jimmy factor. Um, I've kind of said it all along. Like, I really like this team's top-end talent. Like, Mm -hmm. I think Jimmy and Bam is the best, as good a one-two punch as anyone has in the East, other than maybe Philly. And you can maybe make a case Toronto because of, like, the playoff experience of Siakam and Lowry. But, like, I'll take – and Giannis obviously is the best player in the East, but I will take both Jimmy and Bam over Chris Middleton. I will take Jimmy and – you know, Boston's kind of got more of a big three than a big two. Tatum has taken such a big leap. Boston might be up there just with Tatum and and, and Kemba maybe. Yeah. But, like, I just love the way those two – yeah, uh, can let you win any series because they're great offensively and they're great defensively. And I think in the playoffs, you you want that top end talent that's ultimately pushes you over the top. And it's not like they're like not deep either. They're arguably as they're as deep as anyone. Like when you talk about ability to go like eleven guys deep, if you really need to, um, you know, they might not have the best top eight in the East, but they probably have the best top eleven. Yeah, no, that's a good point, and and, and it's it, it's. Also working to the Heat's advantage is, it's a, is that Bam and Jimmy are big in a, in a 
perimeter guy. You know, like it's a lot yeah. of these duos are two, or you know, I guess Philly has the the guard and, and the center as well, but uh, are two of the wing, two wing players like like Boston, where it's Jason Tatum and Kemba. Like you, you kind of want to have that one big and that one perimeter player, and they work off each other, and the Heat have that right now. Um, you know, Jimmy has been up and down lately, but you still have faith. You know, he usually plays the best basketball in the playoffs. So yeah, I do he's think historically not just a good deep postseason player, he's historically yeah. a great postseason exactly. player. Exactly. And I keep, from people I talk to around Jimmy, they're like, just wait until the playoffs. Like, he's just pacing himself. Just wait until the playoffs. His, his best version is in the playoffs. Like, we all know he's going to play his best basketball in the playoffs. So they think so. They think that's going to happen. And he's proven he can do that in the past, kind of turn it on in the postseason. So I guess we're going to see. Yeah. The only thing, and you do want, I know they've really downplayed it, but you know, you naturally are going to bring it a little bit more against uh, good yeah. teams, and yeah. I think there's something to that where it's you know it can't just be coincidence that like the five best games the Heat have played this year have all been against like these top Eastern Conference teams. Yeah, no, not a coincidence at all. I, I yeah, that's kind of who this team is. I feel like at first, remember we were talking about how they wouldn't lose sub sub 500 teams. Like there was a stretch where they were just like yeah, no against you know losing teams, but Lately, they've kind of reverted back to the Heat team that plays really, really well against good opponents and then kind of plays down to the competition. You don't want to see that, but, hey, at least they're beating good teams. Yeah. All right, uh, we can wrap it up there. Um, anything uh, you're working on this week? Um, no, well, today on Tuesday, um, we're going to do something on Jay and Andre. They played for ten. They played uh, with the Heat for 10 games, so just kind of going through how the 10 games have gone. Um it seems like they both kind of settled, kind of settled into roles, um, and they seem more comfortable. So I'll be writing that today, and then just moving forward, you know, it's about again I, to me, the one thing left for this team is defense. Like, can they improve their defense? So I think that's the one thing to keep an eye on here over the next week until we do this again, David. Yep. All right, you can follow Anthony on Twitter at Anthony underscore Chang. I am on Twitter at DB Wilson too. Uh, I'm out of town this week, actually at. Uh, state basketball championships scouting the 2022 <laughs> draft class for the Heat. I expect a full like scouting report on each guy. So yeah, last year I came back and Vernon Carey didn't play, so I didn't have any good scouting report. Um, but maybe the Heat can get him if he falls in the draft somehow. Yeah, there you go. You never know. Yeah. All right. Uh, thanks as always for listening, you guys, uh, and we will uh, talk to you next week.